0: Beloved, I hope you are blessed. I hope you are staying safe. I hope everything is well with you. I believe by the mercies and by the grace of God you are fine. Today I've come your way again and I want to share with you a very simple message. It is entitled, Must All Christians Be Rich and Live a Wealthy Life? Well, this topic is a very controversial topic as I said. Today, I would like to discuss or bring to your attention a doctrine that has been in the system for a very long time. And I won't begrudge you or I won't blame you for believing such a doctrine because we all came to meet it, including myself. And this doctrine is called Or these doctrines are Christians supposed to live a wealthy life. Some call this type of doctrine the prosperity preaching or doctrine. Well before we begin let's say a word of prayer. Father in the name of Jesus we thank you for this day. We thank you for how far you've brought us Father, we pray that as we are about to hear your word, let us not be the hearers of the word only, but also the doers of your word. Father, we pray that you may enlighten the eyes of our understanding, that we may grasp your word in Jesus' mighty name. We have prayed. Amen. Well, prosperity is not something bad riches is not bad. To live a wealthy life isn't bad. But it becomes bad or it goes to the extent that if you tell people that living in poverty or being poor as a child of God or when you become When you accept Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, and you become born again, and you tell people that once you are a child of God, that means that there is a need for you to live a wealthy life. That is not the gospel. Amen? So today... Well, as I said earlier on, we are going to look about this prosperity doctrine or preaching. Well, as Christians, I believe that what we have to do is to, to make sure that we read the Word, which is the Scripture, more what carefully. We have to spend time in the Word of God. We have to meditate upon the Word of God. We have to, you know, read the Word of God as much as possible. Now, the Bible makes us clear in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2a that looking unto Jesus, the utter and finisher of our faith. Now, here we are told that Jesus is the utter of our faith. Now, the NIV version says that he is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Meaning that Jesus is the perfect example we Christians ought to look up to. So through these teachings, I'll be using the scriptures all the way to throw more light on certain scriptures that has been wrongly quoted or that has been wrongly stated by some people to deceive the church. So I suggest that you get your Bible as we go through the scripture together. I always tell people that we should try as much as possible to try to explain the scripture from its context. We shouldn't take a scripture out of its context and try to, you know, try to teach it in a way or try to understand it out of its context, that you may not get the whole passage or the whole scripture properly. Amen. So, with all humility, I am here just to throw more light, as I said earlier on, and to direct you to the word of God. The word speaks. So, let's listen. Now, one of the favorite um, scriptures when it comes to prosperity preaching is 3 John 2. The NIV. I'm reading from the NIV version. It says, The elder to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may be well with just as you are prospering spiritually. Amen. Now, most preachers use this a lot to foster or to push their prosperity doctrine. They use the scripture to say that Christians must live a prosperous life. Please, when we look at the scripture once again, we could see that This was a letter John was writing to his friend Gaius, an elder, and in the introduction of his letter, he was greeting his friend. So when we take a look at it again, we can see that to the elder, to my dear friend. So it's like somebody writing a letter to his or her friend, telling him or her that he wishes that he he lives a worldly life and a prosperous life doesn't connote the fact that all of his friends should also live a life full of wealth no this was a letter he was writing to Gaius so he says the elder to my friend so it is like you writing a letter to your friend and telling him that you are wishing him to be wealthy and live a healthy life now when we read verse 13 It says that I have much to write to you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. Verse 14, I hope to see you soon and we'll talk face to face. So now, the 13 and 14 of that same third John 2, it is trying to throw more light that it is actually a letter that John was writing to his friend Gaius. So, therefore, how does this connect to living a life full of wealth or living a prosperous life? I believe this is a question worth answering. Now the second one is um, Philippians chapter 4 verses 19. He says, My God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Again, this is another popular scripture. As I said earlier on, we do not take a scripture without looking at the context. Here the Apostle Paul was thanking the people of Philippians for the gifts and the kind gestures they showed him when he was in need. Please, this scripture does not mean that it is a must that we all, as Christians, should live a life full of riches. Again, when we look at Luke chapter 6 verse 38, it says, Give and it shall be given unto you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the same measure you use, it will also be be measured to you. Now I really find this scripture really interesting because most men of God use this a lot. They say that when you give, as in you giving to God, God will give you more or you will expect more in return. I believe that this notion makes God a magician because When we give to God and God is going to double our money, that means it means it's making God more or less a magician. Amen. Please, in the first place, the Bible said give, the Bible didn't say give to God. So, most of the time, you find some people or some men of God saying that give. And it shall be given to you. That means, as you, when you give to God, God is going to give you more than you expect. As I said in the scripture, God was not mentioned. He was talking about we loving or showing love to one another. When you start reading from verse twenty-seven, you will see that it was talking about we loving our enemies. It means anything you do for someone, the same thing will be do or will be done unto you. It says, the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. So that means what you do for your neighbor, what you do for your another person, that same thing will be done unto you. So when you hate your brother, that same thing will also be done to you. Do unto others what you want others to do unto you. Jesus Christ did not, in the first place, Jesus Christ did not promise Christians a prosperous life, a life full of riches and wealth. Most people think that once you become born again, you must be rich. And it has been a doctrine that it is evil, it is demonic for Christians to live or to become poor really now let's look at matthew chapter 19 verses 26 in this verse a young rich man came up to jesus and asked master what shall i do that i may have eternal life jesus told the young man keep the commandment the young man said master all this i have kept since my childhood but what do i still lack then Jesus said to him, go and sell all your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come, follow me. The Bible says as soon as a young man had this, he went away sad because he had great possession." What a pity. The young rich man was so attached to his wealth, and, and because of that, he rejected to follow Jesus. Jesus even told him, you will have treasures in heaven. He still rejected him. He was more attached to the riches of this world. In Mark chapter 4 verse 19, But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires of other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Jesus Christ told the young man, Go sell all your possessions and you have treasures in heaven. Come and follow me. The Bible says the young rich man was so attached to the riches that he was sad when he had this. That is what money or riches do to people. Now, in Proverbs 23, verse 4, it says, Do not wear yourself to get rich. Do not trust in your own cleverness. My brother, my sister, why do you worry yourself to become rich? Any person, any man of God that tells you that it is demonic or it is evil as a child of God to be poor, my brother, my sister, that person is lying. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5, it says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, Never will I leave you nor forsake you. Now in this scripture too, God is telling us that we should live free from the love of money. In this generation, in this dispensation, people are so much attached to money. They are finding ways and means to become rich. When they go to church, all what they preach is prosperity. Receive this, receive that, receive this, receive that. No. That is on the gospel. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 10. Whoever loves money... Never has enough. Whoever lasts what wealth. Is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. When you love money. Money will never be enough for you. You see there is no way you can love money. And say that you are enough. Because wealth is relative. Yes. So the fact that you love money. It will never be enough for you. There's an, in economics we say. Humanities are insatiable. Now, in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 4, Wealth is worthless in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. Your wealth is meaningless. Wealth is meaningless. Money or riches won't save you at the end of the day. Money or riches, you being poor or you being rich, will not take you to heaven. What will take you to heaven? The Bible says righteousness delivers from death. So, if wealth will not take you to heaven, why do you seek after wealth? You go to church because of money. You go to church believing God that you want to be wealthy. Once you've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and personal Savior, you are believing that you become rich. My brother, he does not work that way. In Luke chapter 16, verses 13 to 14, the Bible says that no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, this these words are words coming directly from Jesus. Jesus said you cannot serve him, and you can you cannot serve you cannot serve both Jesus and money. Definitely you love one. And you hate the other. Of course you will have money so now the question is should we be poor and live or sleep on the streets? Does it also mean that being a Christian means living in poverty? Let us use the scripture to answer this question. In First Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 to 12, I'm reading from the King James Version. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we carry nothing out. Verse 8. And having food and remnant, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptations and a snare and into many foolish and hateful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have heard from the faith, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Verse 11. But thou, O man of God, Flee these things and follow after righteousness. Lay hold on eternal life whereunto thou art also called and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. Here we are learned that we should be content with what we have. If you have two clothes, if you have a shoe, if you have a trouser, be content with that. Other than that, you end up being greedy. Contentment is a great gain. The Lord's prayer says, give us this day our daily bread. The Bible says, for he blesses or he loads us with daily benefits. Give us this day our Deliberate, even the lost Prayer is telling us or is showing us how to be content. Here, we are told to be content with what we have, for we brought nothing into this world and we won't take anything. So, why are you chasing after money, moving from one church to another because you want to be rich? Because one thing things to go on smoothly for you, doing all sort of things to get money, even to the extent that you are being given what we call a quantere. You wake up at dawn, doing all sort of things. You have all sort of candles, blue, white, yellow, green. In all sort of things, just to be rich. Or you want things to go on smoothly for you. That is a false doctrine and must not be listened to. The love of money, they say, is the root of all evil. Let's read Proverbs chapter 30 verse 8 to 9. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Verses 9, otherwise I may have too much and disown you, and say, who is the Lord, or I may become poor and steal, and so dishonor the name of my God. Here the writer is telling God that God, he doesn't want to become rich nor poor, but rather he wants his deliberate, meaning he wants to be content. I believe that this is a message that Christians we should ought or we should listen to, that we should be content with what we have. God, we don't want to be rich, neither do we want to be poor. We want to be content. If you are if you are rich, we will disown you. We will say, "Who is the Lord?" And if you are poor, too, we also would be tempted to steal. So, God, I don't want riches, neither do I want poverty. But i want to be content give me my daily bread that should be the prayer of a believer now in philippians chapter 3 verse 20 the bible says but our citizenship is in heaven and we are eagerly awaiting a savior from there the lord jesus christ i believe that we christians are waiting the coming of christ that is our hope In Colossians 1 verse 27, I like this scripture so much. The Bible says, Christ in you, the hope of our glory. Christ is our hope. We are eagerly awaiting his coming. As Christians, this is what we should look up to. We should be expecting the coming of Jesus Christ. That is our hope. In Philippians 3 verse 10, I want to know Christ. Yes. Yes to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. This was what Paul was saying to the church in Philippi, that he wants to participate in the sufferings of Christ. The whole Apostle Paul, who was just interested in knowing Christ and even to participate in the suffering of Christ <laughs> you are a child of God you say you call yourself a Christian you don't want to participate in the sufferings Paul was saying that I, I want to know Christ yes I want to know him but I also want to participate in his suffering what he, fe- what he felt I want to feel the same you are a child of God you want to be, you want to be rich you want to you want to, you want luxury cars, you want to sleep in, in jacuzzis, you want to be in jacuzzis, you want to be in swimming pools, you want to, want to live a luxurious life. That is not Christianity. John chapter 5, verses 20, it says, remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. So, our Christian journey wouldn't be easy, but we have Christ. He said He will never leave us nor forsake us. Prosperity doctrine is a false doctrine and it should not be adhered to. May we have grace to be content with what we have in Jesus' mighty name father we thank you for your word we thank you as we've heard your word we pray that henceforth you will let us be content with what we with what we have father give us the grace to live a daily life full of contentment father lord we thank you for your word In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen.